God bless you guys. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Y'all doing good? Is this thing on? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? How's that song go? That's not the song. Just like that. Is it all good? All right, here we go. Hey, listen, we're starting a new series this morning, and so I just want to say thank you guys for being here. Good morning. And I know last week I gave you a different title, okay? But it's going to basically be around the same thing, because as I was studying this week, because, um, you know, I said we were going to go through the book of Nehemiah, right? A little bit through the book of Nehemiah. And as I was reading Nehemiah, I was like, you know what? Yeah, this, is, this book is about rebuilding. But really, it's about a group of people who want to flourish in life. A group of people who want to, who, who want to live out their days in, in like, as if their king, God the Father, Christ, was there with them. And, and as I was studying this, I was like, man, I've got to change this. I got to change this from rebuild to, 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 to the fight to flourish. But even before we could get into Nehemiah, there's something that we, we have to understand today. Before we even open up to the first chapter of Nehemiah. So next week we'll be in chapter 1 of Nehemiah because I want you to get this today. Because until we get this, we'll never understand the fight to flourish. See, I, here's why I believe this series is so important for us. is that I don't believe God's calling us to just survive this world. He's not calling us just to, to just survive this world, but to change it for his glory. Many of us in here, we feel like we've lost purpose. We've lost our purpose in life. We feel like we have no drive in life. Maybe it's because of some failure in our life or bad choices we've made. And you're, and, and you're, you're just tired of living this way. You're tired of living life one failure to the next. Or feeling like you're a failure. Or feeling like you're worth nothing. But you don't really know how to get past all that. And with everything, with everything gone wrong in your life, you feel like you don't have the, even the ability to fight to flourish. Like you want a life that's flourished. But you just, you just you don't know how to even begin to fight. You don't know if you have the ability to get there. And, and, and you, it, but here's what you need to understand about today is that before you were born, before any of your defects were apparent to you, they were absolutely apparent to God, and it didn't stop him from calling your name. He knew every single screw-up, every little defect, every little thing that is wrong with you. And guess what? He still said your name. He still said Josh. He knew how screwed up you would be, Josh, because you're pretty screwed up, right? <laughs> now, I'm, like, we're all pretty screwed up. Like, if you knew the story of the person sitting next to you, you wouldn't come back here. You with me? Like we're all like he he knew all that even before you were even born. Born. He it never stopped him from calling your name and setting you apart. And maybe God wants to do something in you and through you that's far above your ability to even perform. Like there's no other question. There's no other thing it could be other than man. God's doing something here. God is doing something here. And I believe this morning, let me say this, I love, I love that I put this in here, so it's, I, love that, like, I love that I put, like, like, so he wants to do something far beyond your ability because he's far less intimidated by your failures and limits than you are. But many of us find ourselves in these graves that we were never meant to be in. Graves where we think our ability to, to perform is not there. 
when it was really never, never our job to perform anyway. But for us to fight to flourish, for us to be able to have a life, to come, to come out of that grave, I believe today that the, the same God who intervened to bring his son back to life is here to do the same for you. In fact, I believe today he's calling your name. He's calling your name to come out of that grave because the fight to flourish starts with his call. It starts with his call. And you're like, Derek, what does this have? This has nothing to do with Nehemiah. And it actually does. You're going to see, like you're going to see hopefully after this week, that before we could even go and rebuild a wall and to rebuild those things in our life, to, to fight for a flourish, fight for hope, we have to understand that it's Jesus who has to call us out of the grave. He has to call our name. It all starts with his call. Know the next few weeks we're going to look at what it looks like to fight to flourish. But it always starts with Jesus calling us out of death, calling us out of the graves, out of situations and circumstances we have found ourselves in. And today, today we're going to look at a familiar story of two sisters and a brother. And, 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 this, and they're, they're, they're in this desperate struggle for life. The brother becomes sick to the point of on the verge of death. And we're going to look at this story. Like We have to understand this concept and this story before we can ever get to Nehemiah. So let's look at this. We're going to pick up the story right here. Our friend John tells us this. Okay, John says in, verse, in chapter 11, verse 3, So his sisters, this is the brother's sisters, his sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, our brother Lazarus, Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. You know how they point out, in there, like, you know, the one you love? Not the other Lazarus, the one you hate, but the one you love. Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. And listen, what this is Jesus' response here. When he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus. But if you grew up in church long enough, we know what happened, right? What happens? Lazarus dies. He gone. Okay? Lazarus, this is what it says. When he heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in, in the death of Lazarus, but will bring glory to, and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. And I, I want you to hear Jesus' words over you this morning. This grave you found yourself in, this situation, this season of life you're in, this grave is not your end game. Like, I'm sure Mary and Martha thought, well, if Lazarus dies, that's the end of everything. I mean, pretty, pretty much all of us in here go through seasons where we will be in a season where we go, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of here. Is this all that there is for me? Anybody ever ask that? Maybe or some sort of form of that? Is this all there is? Is this the best it's ever going to get for me? And Jesus in the story is telling us, you know, this isn't your end game. Where you're at is not your end game. It's a setup for a flourished life. You can say it like this. You can say it one way like this. Don't build a house where he's called you to build a tent. You with me? You following? You tracking? Because sometimes we get too settled in situations in our life where, where we were never meant to be there. We're ne never meant to be in that grave. So to flourish, we, have to, we, we can't set up permanent places in those places. We, we can't, it's, don't set up a house where he's called you to set up a tent. And we can also say it like this. God will arrange every experience in your life to get you to, to the life he has for you. Like, even the bad stuff. Now, I don't want you hearing me saying that God causes bad things to happen in our life. Because, you know, there's that camp over here. I'm just saying God will take these experiences, these situations that we found ourselves in, and he will arrange them to get us to our ultimate purpose. As long as we don't stay there. 
as long as we don't stay there. Let's go on. You ready? Now, even though Jesus loved Mary and Martha, I love that it says, even though Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Can you imagine? Like, it'd be like, man, if I called Justin and I said, hey, Justin, I need your help right now. Can you come over to my house? And he stays wherever he is for two more days. (laughs) Justin would not be here anymore. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, come. And I want you to say these next two words with me. It's time. Everybody say, you ready to say, it's time. It's time to go to Bethany, because that's, that's important. But teacher, they said, do you really want to go back there? It was just a little, like a short time ago where pe- the people of Judah were going to stone you. Like, this is just like, Few, little, like maybe a few weeks after Jesus was about to be stoned by people because he said he was Jesus and uh, he was God in the temple, right? It was just a short time ago that people of Judah were going to stone you, and Jesus replied, Are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? You can go through a day without, with, without the, fear of the stumbling, fear of stumbling when you walk, walk in, the, in the one that gives light to the world. This is, I, think this, I think this is very, a very unique verse for our season that we're in as as a world really are we going to live in fear or are we going to live in the one who controls everything because there will be a day coming when you'll have no other option but to fear but you will stumble when the light is not in you for you will be walking in the dark a life without Christ is a life that is never fixed a life without Christ, you will not make it in this world. You will not make it through this season. You will not make it through the struggle that you found yourself in apart from Jesus. The government can't fix it. Your mama can't fix it. That new job can't fix it. That relationship you're in won't fix it. And a lot of times when, like, when we realize none of these things can fix it, we can, we can seal ourselves into these, into these graves Hoping and burying it deeper and deeper and deeper, hoping, hoping that, that no one will ever notice. That's why for 20-something years I held in what happened to me as a kid. Because I didn't want anybody to know I concealed it. Hid it away. Because I, 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 I thought I would look like a failure, thought I would look weak, and thought I would look miserable. And here's what I've learned, especially in regards to this, pa- to this passage, is... What you conceal, Christ can never heal. What you conceal, Christ can never heal. What, that grave that you keep hiding yourself into, as long as, you, as long as you keep that grave closed, guess what? You'll never be healed from that. It's only in letting things out. Verse 11. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. And say these next two words with me. It's time that I go and awaken him. It's time that I go and awaken him. Jesus today is saying it's time to come wake us up out of this grave. And what's this next part? I love it. I love it. Verse 12. When they heard this, the disciples replied, look, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll, he'll get better. Like they're like total like, like they need Jesus lingo for dummies, the book. Okay? 
When, when they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. And Jesus was speaking, Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death. But the disciples were presumed, uh, presumed he was just was talking about natural sleep. And then verse 14 says, Then Jesus made it plain to them. Because sometimes we just need stuff made plain. Just tell me straight out, Jesus. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, and this is, the, this is one of those weird verses. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Hold up. You mean you let Lazarus die? But you just said a few seconds ago that this would not result in Lazarus dying. But you just let him die? Like, this doesn't make sense. I'm glad, I'm glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go see him. Let's go see him. I can imagine being the disciples for a minute. Like, can you imagine what, like, kind of what they were thinking? Like, for real, like, Jesus, they came and asked you two days ago to come, come heal Lazarus. And you stood here and did nothing. And now you're wanting to go to the funeral? Like, do you realize they're going to kill you? Or maybe, maybe it's another argument of God. Well, why didn't he do if he If he loved Lazarus so much, why didn't he heal Lazarus before he even got to the point of death? I mean, he healed all these other people, right? He healed that blind man the other day, and he didn't even know him. Like, why? why like, I... They asked him to come take away the sickness, this death, and now he, now he wants to go. And here's what I, I think we have to understand, specifically about struggles and, and, and these graves that we find ourselves in, is that every second you spend wishing God would take away a struggle is a forfeited opportunity to see his glory. Every second that you, that you spend wishing God would take away the struggle is, for, is a forfeited opportunity to see his glory. Maybe your miracle is inside of your pain. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe your, maybe your miracle is, is not that God heals you from this or, or, or cleanses you from this, but that, that he's with you in the struggle. Christ often does the most work to give, to give us a flourished life in our deepest of pains. In our deepest of pains. He goes on to say this, so Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, well, let's go so that we can die with him. It's a little bit of a smart aleck move, isn't it? <laughs> well, great. That sounds like Zane. Fine. <laughs> now, when they arrived in Bethany, which was only about, only about two miles from Jerusalem, so Jesus really wasn't that far away to begin with. <laughs> like, Jesus, you've been two miles away for two days? That's like a five-minute car ride, 15-minute buggy ride then, okay? Now, when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Don't you sometimes feel like God's a little too late? Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. Of course she did. Because I would want to punch him in the throat for not showing up two days ago before Lazarus died, right? But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only, if, my Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother 
wouldn't have died. But here's, I love the verse 22. And she says, but I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. He would do it for you. Martha had faith that Jesus would do something even, even now. Like even in the midst of pain and sorrow and death, when everything seemed lost, she felt that, that like she, she had the faith to know that even if, no matter what, I, did, I don't know what he can do, but he can do something to heal this. He can do something to fix this. She just knew he could do something because faith is knowing who Christ is and acting accordingly. Faith is knowing who Christ is and acting accordingly. So let's see what, how, what, how Jesus responded to this. And Jesus told her, Your brother, brother will rise and live. And she replied, Yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. Like, she's like, Okay, maybe I went a little too far. Maybe you can do some stuff. Like, I know there's going to be a day when he will rise from the dead, but it's not today, not in the middle of my pain, not in the middle of my sorrow, not in the middle of this struggle that I'm in. Like, God, I'm at the point where God, where I, God can't do anything for me. Anybody else been there before? Or, ooh, Betty's too far gone now. God can't do nothing for her. I told her not to sleep with that man, but she did it anyways. And, we, you know, we turned into a little gossip ship. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's one day that, 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 that'll be fixed, but not today. Like, I guess it'll just have to wait till glory, right? Verse 25. I love Jesus' words here. Martha, <laughs> you don't have to wait until then. That pain that you think is not going to go away until later, that sorrow that you, have, that, you're, that, you, that you have that you think you'll never get rid of, Jesus today is telling you, you don't have to live in that anymore. You don't have to wait. That's why I kept saying it's time. You don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. I am life eternal. You don't have to wait. Today, like there's, today is a day of salvation. You, can, you know, salvation from sin, salvation from that circumstance. That he, like today he is calling you out of the grave. Greater love has no because he wants to give you a life, a flourish life. Greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for his friend, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give life. Life in its abundance, he says. Today is a day of salvation. In verse 25, it says this. Mar so Martha, Je Martha, Jesus replied, you don't, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. I am the life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever and the one who lives who, who lives um, by believing in me will never die do you believe this and you have to listen to the words of martha right here he, martha says this yes lord i do i've always believed that you are the anointed one the son of god who has come into this world for us then she left and hurried off to her sister mary and called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her the master is here and he's asking for you. Did I mean I asked a question? Did you hear, ever hear Jesus in that conversation say, "Tell Mary I'm looking for"? Her? No. Martha's a little liar. <laughs> the master is here. 
and he's asking for you. And so when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him. She's mad too. You know how I know? You'll find out in a second. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now when Mary's friend, who were Mary's friends who were comforting her, because back then they had these people that you would hire and they would come in and like, cry with you. Like it was weird. All right? they, they, so they thought she was running off to the tombs. It says, Now when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran out of the house, they followed her, assuming that she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's on repeat today, isn't it? When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he, he shuddered with emotion. And that's, that's, that's a deep thought there, y'all. Like, he is moved by our pain. Like, the thing that pains you, he's moved by. He shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. And he said to them, where did you bury him? He's saying, where do you have him concealed? What is it that you have concealed? He's asking you that today. What is it, what is it that, he has, has, that you have concealed from him that, he, that you want him to so desperately to heal? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. In verse 35, then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Jesus is so moved by what pains you, y'all. Verse 36, seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Then there's always the bad side, right? Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? There's going, to be, there's going to be people, there's going to be people in your life, well, why ain't God doing anything for you right now? Maybe God's doing something that, that only you can see, that they can't see. Like, it's, people are always going, to, always going to talk, y'all. Well, where's your Jesus now? Where's your God now? Where was, your, where was, I don't God, where was, where was God when this happened? And then Jesus, with intense emotion, came to the tomb. A cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Uncover it. If you want to flourish life, you have to uncover it. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now his body is already decomposing. Some, the King James says, it already stinketh. Jesus looked at her and said, Didn't I tell you? Ooh, y'all. Didn't I tell you that if you, if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? Don't stand in the way of what God's trying to do in you. Sometimes it takes him rolling back and exposing all that's gone wrong in your life. All that has gone wrong in your life for you to get healing. For you to be called out of the grave. Like, you can say it like this. What you're walking around, what you're trying to skirt around, Jesus wants to walk right through. He don't care how bad it stings, how bad, how bad, how bad it looks. He wants to walk, walk through it with you. He doesn't want to skirt around it. Because the only way you're going to be able to fix it is if you deal with it. 
So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, because I love this. I love hearing Jesus' prayers. Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to this earth as your messenger, I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice. With a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority. Lazarus! Come out of the tomb. He's saying, David, come out of the tomb. Coy, come out of the tomb. Cody, come out of the tomb. Jesus, with all authority, is calling you out of the grave this morning. And the question becomes, are you going to come running? That's not it. Are you going to come running? But that's not it. I love this. Verse 44. Then in front of everyone. Because Jesus likes to show off sometimes. In front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, because people know your story, y'all. They know how screwed up you are, too. And in, but in front of everybody, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. You, I love that the Passion Translation gives you these images, all wrapped up in his grave clothes. Get me out of here. Four days later, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes, clothes tightly wrapped around because sometimes we'll come out of that grave and we'll hold on to stuff that we never were meant to hold on to. God, I'm glad he called me out of that grave, but I'm holding on to that chain real quick, real close. Because I might need to wrap it back around myself. Why do we keep wrapping ourselves in things that God's already freed us from, y'all? The reason you're not flourished is maybe because he's already called you out of the grave and you're just still holding on to that pain in your life. I'm not saying that pain will disappear because there's some things I'm still struggling with, y'all. There's still some flashbacks and stuff that happened. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. It's like every day a new onion layer gets peeled off. Are you with me? I'm like an ogre. That's a Shrek reference, y'all. Sometimes we hold on to those things like, like we hold on to the pain for comfort. It says, he slowly hobbled out, still had his grave clothes tightly wrapped around his, his hands and his feet covering his face. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. Today, he's one, he, not only is he calling you out of the grave, he's saying, he's saying, untie yourself. Let loose. You're not bound by that anymore. It doesn't define you anymore. Because, listen, he stopped defining us by that way back before you were even born, y'all. How many of your sins were future sins when Christ went to the cross? All of them. How many of your struggles were your struggles before Christ went to the cross? All of them. How, much of your, how many of your defects were your defects before Christ went to the cross? All of them, which means he knew how screwed up we would be, and he still decided to make a way. To, to, to a flourished life, we have to listen to the call, and, let, and we got to let go of every stitch of death. 
So I don't know where you found yourself in here this morning, but God is calling you out of the grave and on to the waves. He's not called you to sink below anymore. He's called you to rise above. And for you to flourish, for you to really understand what what we're going to look at in in Nehemiah over the next couple weeks, you have to understand that he is calling you out. He's calling you out with a purpose. Out of that grave. He wants you to come out of that grave. He doesn't want you to live there because he has a purpose and a plan for you. And you're going to change the world. You're going you're gonna to be somebody for Jesus. And the only way we can do that is to step out of that grave. Dance with him on the waves, y'all. He's calling you above it. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that you are a God who who wants to call us out of the grave. God, you're a God God who who says that it says that I don't care how bad you've been or how, how long you've been there or what you've surrounded yourself with. You're a God who says, I am choosing to call them out of the grave. I'm calling them to a life of flourish, to flourish. I'm calling them to fight for what matters most. I'm calling them to fight for for, for injustice. I'm calling them to fight for this. I'm calling them out of the grave to change the world, not just to survive it. And go, so God, maybe there's somebody here this morning, whether maybe it's their first time, they're hearing you call their name out of the grave. And they're here this morning to, to, for salvation. And God, I, we want to celebrate that. Maybe they're here and they're going through a situation. Where they just feel like there's no end in sight. God, I pray that I pray that this morning they, they come out of that grave, they, they, they be set free of that situation, that circumstance, that thing that they've been holding on to. May they come out of the grave and find you. Who's called my name and you're there saying, I did. The time is now. The time is now.